You're listening to the Assembly Call IU podcast and postgame show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Join us for our live broadcasts on Thursday nights and immediately following every IU game at our website, assemblycall.com. That's assemblycall.com. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most urgent topics in the never-dull world of Indiana basketball. This is our 115th edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 506th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of Thursday, March 28, 2019. I am your host, Jared Morris. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call. And that is with our Hoosier Proud Banner Moment. And Indiana is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Martin takes the shot. The Hoosiers have won the national championship. This week's Banner Moment occurred at the 6.06 mark of the second half in Wednesday night's McDonald's All-American game. That is when Georgia signee Anthony Edwards found Trace Jackson Davis cutting through the lane for an uncontested dunk. Trace scored seven points, collected five rebounds, and blocked one shot. But more than what he did during the game, it simply mattered that he was in the game. Because as we know, the path to hanging a banner almost always requires at least one burger boy leading the way. You've probably heard this before, but I'll issue a reminder. Since the McDonald's All-American game went national in 1978, only two schools have won an NCAA title without a McDonald's All-American, UConn in 2014 and, get the sensor beep ready, Maryland in 2002. Indiana's 1981 national championship team featured McDonald's alums Ray Tolbert, Landon Turner, and Isaiah Thomas. The 1987 national championship team featured Daryl Thomas and Ricky Calloway. In fact, Indiana hasn't even made a Sweet 16 since 1978, without having at least one McDonald's All-American on the roster. So, does Indiana need to get old and stay old by building its rosters around three- and four-year players? Yes. And does Indiana need to recruit players who may have a triple-digit ranking but can fill specific roles on the team and in the program? Yes. And does Indiana have a rather underwhelming history of team success with one-and-done players on the roster? Yes though each season had its own peculiar set of circumstances, so I'd caution you on drawing any definitive conclusions from a very small sample. The point is this. All of these considerations need to be balanced with the reality that competing at the highest levels of college basketball is always going to require having the best talent. And that means you better be making a habit of enrolling players who were selected for the McDonald's All-American game. Trace represents Indiana's seventh McDonald's All-American this decade. Half of them won a Big Ten title and played in a Sweet 16. The other half did not. Time will tell what Trace's destiny as a Hoosier will be. Hopefully his experience is more like Cody, Yogi, and Thomas's than Noah, James, and Romeo's. Hopefully it goes beyond them all. Okay, now let me introduce my esteemed co-host for this week's show. To my left, he is the Tim Miles of Girls U Sports Coaching in Cincinnati. He is the President Emeritus of the Robert Johnson Fan Club. And if bracketologists were seeded according to their bracket matrix rankings, he would be a three seed. He is Andy Bottoms. Well, Kevin Durant plays shooting guard. I should have Evan Fitzner play shooting guard. Andy, what is your Bottoms line on the last week in Indiana basketball? Uh, that, that, uh, that drop doesn't seem, I don't remember the context of that, but it certainly didn't hold up well. Uh, I'm also not sure if the Tim Miles comment suggested I've been fired or like Coors Light. Neither of those is really true. So, well, I'll just move on from there. Uh, you know, for, from an IU perspective, just to, you know, the season finally comes to an end. It feels like a, another time where we sat here and tried to draw conclusions from the Hoosier hysteria scrimmage and some of the guys that we saw there. And um, that doesn't feel like it could possibly be the same season as this one, quite honestly, at this point, given the, uh, this was like three seasons within a season. It, it felt like, and when you step back and look, I mentioned this at the end of the show the other night, if you look in Archie's two years, the defense, the adjusted defensive efficiency has gone from 104th to 65th to 30th. The 74 spot improvement, uh, at least from a ranking standpoint, is really impressive and speaks to the groundwork that uh, that Archie's trying to lay and what the identity of the team is intended to be. 
And then you look across at some of the other numbers, the numbers in red, which is never good uh, from a Ken Palm perspective. And you see that the three-point shooting has been outside of the top 300 in, in both of his seasons. And the free throw shooting has been outside of the top, top 325 in both of the seasons. And it isn't really that hard to look at what really needs to change uh, you know, next year. Because I think that I, I think that you run into these scenarios where you have to be, and you guys, I think, talked about this on, on podcast on the brink you have to be so good and almost perfect at everything else to try to mask deficiencies like what we've seen from iu and so as we look forward to the offseason which we can sadly now uh now start to do it, it just doesn't feel like it's that hard to figure out what has to change now how that changes is the is the hard part and why archie gets paid a whole bunch more than uh than we do to do this or really anything else but it, I think that really is is what the intrigue comes in. And, and as we talked about a little bit before, there are just so many different storylines, oddities, things to to really keep an eye on uh, in the offseason that this will be a really, really interesting one and a pivotal one for, for this team because I think next year becomes a really pivotal one for the staff. And to my right, he is a columnist for The Big Lead, a co-host for The Hangover. And as we turn our attention to next season, he just wants Indiana to feel the team that looks like it's having fun. It's easy to enjoy watching guys enjoy themselves. He is Ryan Phillips. Ryan, what is your rant this week? Boy, that taken out of context, that could be a really, really dicey quote, huh? Um, easy to enjoy watching guys enjoying themselves. Yeah, yeah. Really, really bad one. Uh, thanks for that, Jared. I appreciate you uh, saving that one for in perpetuity. Um I actually want to go completely off the page uh, in an Indiana-related uh, basketball moment this week that I think was a positive that, that I think it's nice to see. Uh, Thomas Bryant the other night had 18 points and 19 rebounds for the Washington Wizards and played 40 minutes and had the game-winning layup, and he got fouled and made the free throw. <laughs> Um, it's really great to see Thomas doing well. He's a guy who I think we were all really high on heading into the draft, realized that Indiana had had a tough season before his draft year, but I thought he was wildly undervalued in that draft. We all talked about it. I think we all agreed on it. I thought the Lakers got a steal in the second round. He had a great season in the G League last year, just wasn't room on the roster for him this year. They, the, I know for a fact, I talked to some people with the Lakers, they really love Thomas and um they sort of thought that Ivica Zubots fit what they were doing well, and then they went and traded Zubots too because the Lakers are just a mess right now. But uh, you know, it was just a, it was a shame that he had to move on from that situation. But he has gotten to a place where he is thriving. His player efficiency rating of twenty point seven eight is fantastic. He's going to be a really good NBA player. And he's a guy who loves IU and comes back to IU, won a Big Ten championship at IU. This is the kind of guy you want to have representing your program. We all know what kind of a great kid Thomas was, kind of an enthusiastic, just a fun kid to watch. And uh, I, I really think that this is just a huge deal for Indiana, that Thomas is breaking out at the next level. Um, as I think we all thought he would after his freshman year, we thought that this is the kind of player he'd be. And then his sophomore year, obviously, everybody at IU struggled. Um, then there was the coaching change and all that. But Thomas is a guy who, even with the coaching change, has embraced IU, has come back to IU to work out, has come back for games. Um, he's a guy that's really big in that sort of family thing. And, and he and some other guys like OG Ananobi and some others have discussed, you know, how have kind of shown that Archie Miller's really embraced guys who didn't necessarily play for him and, and wants them to come back and be a part of the program. So uh, just great to see Thomas doing well. He's been over 20 a couple times this year. He's been a rebounding machine. He's starting to knock down some threes and uh, it's just great. He's in, as we know, he's just a fun kid to watch. So best, best uh, wishes to Thomas, who I hope is doing great. Absolutely. It's been awesome to see. All right, here's what we're going to talk about this week. We will each give our one word to describe the 2018-19 season. No curse words, fellas. Uh, we'll talk about the biggest off-season storyline, which is what additions are going to be made to next year's roster. We'll discuss our wish list, and then we will answer your questions. Here, all of that coming on this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio. Before we get to all of that, I want to talk real quick about sleep and why you need to buy your next mattress from our friends and the fellow IU grads and fans at Comfort Option. First off, they will actually come to your house. Seriously, if you live in Indy or Bloomington, you can schedule Comfort Option's revolutionary in-home mattress service. There's a van with a bed in it, and they just put the mattress together right there, and you lay on it, and you decide if you like it or not. Right there at your house. Plus, they don't charge you extra to come build the mattress at your house. They don't. 
And if you don't live in India or Bloomington, you can still order one of their Alpha mattresses online, and they'll deliver it anywhere in the U.S. Longtime Assembly Call listener Megan Mahaffey and her husband went with the Alpha Medium. We've been really, really pleased with how the Alpha Medium has felt. I am physically sleeping better. Also, Megan's husband isn't snoring anymore, which is a massive bonus. And to top it all off, Comfort Option offers a 3090 satisfaction guarantee to make sure that you love your mattress. Bottom line, they want the mattress buying experience to be more pleasant than it's ever been. The whole thing, start to finish, went incredibly smoothly. So go to comfortoption.com right now and either order your alpha mattress or schedule your in-home mattress store service today. And when you do it, use the promo code assembly to get $50 off your purchase. Again, comfortoption.com, promo code assembly for $50 off. Get the mattress that's right for you. Don't leave your sleep to chance. It's too important. We want you to live. Yes, we do. Can we get some basketball, please? Okay, back now to talking basketball, gentlemen. So, look, obviously we are here embarking on the offseason. It's going to be a long, cold, pensive offseason, I have a feeling. Um, but before we dive into that, which we're going to do in segment number two, and we'll spend some time, obviously, this offseason reflecting on this season, but let's take the rest of this segment to you know, just kind of reflect. I mean, the wounds are still fresh. There's still you know, fresh scabs to pick here. Um, but let's reflect a little bit on this season that just went by with one word to sum it up. Uh, and Andy, we'll start with you. What's your one word to sum up 2018-19? That can be said on the radio, because remember, this is live on the radio. I got pretty far down the list once you said we couldn't swear and uh, and had to be <laughs> things we could say on the radio. So uh, I, I guess unpredictable is what I would go with. I think really throughout at the beginning, I don't think anyone would have predicted the hot start. No one would have predicted the things to go off the rails, at least not to the extent that they did. Uh, and I don't think after playing that poorly that long, the one game you win in that stretch is at Michigan State. Unpredictable. Then you somehow pick yourself off the up off the mat. Uh, you know, string together wins against some teams that IU hasn't played well against uh, in, at the end of the season to do that. And then everybody starts to feel good and, and lose the, uh, in the, in the Big Ten tournament. That part was actually probably predictable. But uh, in general, I just thought the ebbs and flows of the season were really, really, uh, really, really difficult to, to figure. And I think as we look back, we all got sucked in pretty quickly uh, and, and got, I think we tried to temper some of our, Enthusiasm, optimism, whatever you want to, whatever you want to call it, earlier because we've gotten burned a season ago, and that Marquette game, I think everybody just threw that out the window, and uh, the bottom fell out shortly thereafter. So it was a, it was a weird season. Weird was the other word I would have, uh, I, I considered using that was uh, an acceptable term. Yeah, Ryan, what is your one word to describe the season? What the? F- get- Whoa, no. hey. Hey, don't hey to anybody listening on the radio. That wasn't me. Come on, sure uh, sounded like you. Schizophrenic is my is my uh, word for this off season. You know, it was three seasons in one. It really was. There was the first half where they started twelve and two. Then there's the next part where they lost twelve and thirteen. And then there's the last part where they seem to play pretty well. And and honestly, if they had Romeo Langford in those last two games against Arkansas and Wichita State, I feel like those are different outcomes. Uh, I feel like Arkansas, they beat pretty handily with Romeo because the one thing they were missing there is somebody to drive the basket consistently. And then I think against uh, um, Wichita State, they just needed a boost offensively, and that's something he could give them. So I would say, yeah, I, I think that uh, it's schizophrenic because I thought that towards the end of the year after that uh, Minnesota game, they really played well, and they started to turn it around. And you'll take what they gave you from you know, from that uh from that game on, you'll take what they gave you. Uh, if that's the effort you're going to see from this team, those 12 or 13 that they lost, you you don't want that. And then the 12 and two start. I mean, there were a couple shaky performances in there, but there are shaky performances early on in every season. And, and I thought that, you know, that was indicative of what that team was capable of. So, um, yeah, it's it just a schizophrenic season up and down, you know, like, a, it, you know, it just couldn't decide which season it wanted to be the first one, the second one or the third one. And uh, yeah. it was really a shame it ended the way it, it was. It's interesting. We're all kind of hitting this from different angles because obviously, you know, the way that the season ebbed and flowed, it was just it was so strange. And my word is deflating because, you know, it's like the balloon of hope and excitement just kept getting blown up and then it would just deflate. And kind of deflate with that really annoying screeching sound when someone's like holding the bottom of the balloon really tight because that's kind of how it felt. You know, Romeo signs, Juwan returns, 
but then Jerome Hunter and Race Thompson are out. And then we beat Marquette, but then we lose at Arkansas. And then we start out 12-2, and two, and then we lose 12 out of 13. Win four in a row, lose in the Big Ten tournament. Win two straight in the NIT, lose right before going to New York. So it's like every time you got really excited and like started to believe and have real legitimate hope, right around the corner was some kind of disaster that was waiting. And I guess you could always flip that around and say every time there was you know disaster, there was something coming around the corner to give us hope again. But considering the context of how the season started and, you know, the talent that was here and, and having Romeo and just all the expectations, it was just really deflating because we all hoped that this season would be more. It certainly felt like it could have been more at times. It looked like it would be more, but it, you know, the air just always got let out of the balloon and the wind always got taken out of our sails. So my one word uh, would be deflating. Any other honorable mention words that you guys want to want to throw out real quick? I think they all kind of fall in the same thing. I mean, inconsistent was another one just from yeah. an effort standpoint, from a shooting standpoint, from a who was contributing standpoint, uh, at least in a, a, as a supporting cast. Um, injury riddled would have been another uh, would have yeah. been another one. But yeah, in, incons- the two I was down to were really inconsistent and uh, unpredictable. So, I, I, But I think all of them really get at the same thing. Yeah. Any other ones for you, Ryan? Nah, I mean, not not for one word. I think you guys summed it up pretty well. Um, if you could go with a couple words or phrases, then it would be different, and a lot of them would be uh, a little more colorful than we're allowed to to use on the radio. But um, yeah, I just I, I think it was I think disappointing, deflating, uh, and and uh, and and really schizophrenic and whatever. All pretty much sums it up. And that was the most depressed I've ever been. It seems a little, a little much. I'm sorry. You, you're wasting drops. All right, fine. Wasting. All right. <laughs> Was it the off season for you yes. to get in shape for the regular season? It is. Yes. Coming up in the assembly call, it's time to start looking ahead to next season. Indiana has at least one scholarship projected to be available. How do we hope Archie Miller will fill that and any other scholarships that may come open this off season? We will discuss next. Stick with us on the assembly call. Welcome back to the Assembly Call. You can find all of our content at our website, assemblycall.com. And if you ever want to participate in our unedited live broadcast or watch those replays, then check out our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall, as Chatmobber Chad once put it. Hearing the stuff in between, you get to know you guys a lot better. Like the time on a recent postgame show when Ryan blatantly and proudly was caught not paying attention. Ryan, let's talk real quick about... I don't want to cut you off. I know. I always say that. But Except one that stat we missed. One stat we missed that was really important that we missed. Points in the paint. Indiana. No, you missed it. I said it. Oh, well. So, I didn't. number one. I, I don't listen to Number you. one, pay attention to the show. <laughs> Andy, I, I so wish that I had you for backup when that happened on uh, the Arkansas postgame show. It was it was funny because as I was listening to it, he jumped in with that. And I was like, yeah, that just that was just said. So, <laughs> Yeah, to be able to hear you calling up for it was was good. I'm glad that you just didn't let it slide. Jared, your voice is just so soothing that we fall asleep over here. I mean, that's, that's what happens. We just we can't pay attention because it's just. Uh, all right, I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. Will this be on the podcast? Yes, this will be on the podcast, Ryan. Um, was that on the podcast? That last <laughs> that, that last part was on the podcast. Yes, you didn't edit that out. Okay, no, definitely did not edit that out. Um, okay, so. We got we've gotten obviously lots of questions that have come in. So one of the questions is a really good jumping off point for what we're going to talk about in this segment, and then we'll hit a bunch of other questions in our mailbag segment coming up next. But you know, JD asks us what will be the biggest storyline of this offseason? Probably several options to choose from, and there are. There's a ton of offseason storylines, but I think it's safe to say that the biggest offseason storyline is who stays and who goes, because you know what the roster ends up being at the beginning of next year that's going to obviously have a huge impact on how good this team is. So that, to me, is the biggest storyline. And, you know, we take the first part of that, who stays. You know, if every player currently on the roster returns next season, there are no open scholarships right now, okay? But we all assume that Romeo is gone. Transfers are obviously very common in this day and age of college basketball, especially for players who are not playing minutes, who are playing far from home, who are playing for a different coach than the one that recruited them, especially for guys who you know have multiple of those factors. So I don't think any of us would be surprised 
and we're not going to speculate on who it might be because it could be a lot of different people. But I don't think any of us would be surprised if you know one or more players end up seeking opportunities elsewhere. If I had to bet, I would expect that Indiana will have two scholarships to fill, Romeos and one more. We'll see. Maybe not. Maybe there's just the one. Maybe there's just three to, or four. Who knows? Just to clarify for people listening, so Jawan Morgan and Evan Fitzner have scholarships and are gone. Zach McRoberts was not on scholarship. Right. And then you fill those with uh, Trace Jackson Davis and Armand Franklin will be coming in. So just I just wanted to clear that up because that wasn't right. really opening from the intro there. So yep. it's going to depend on who else leaves. Absolutely. So let's assume that we're going to have a scholarship or two to kind of play with this offseason. What is your wish list, Ryan? I'll go with you. It seems like there's a couple obvious things that this you know this team is going to need. But what does your wish list look like for this offseason? Well, I you know I mean of of course we don't really know because of the big factors. Is Jerome Hunter going to be healthy? Assuming he's healthy, because uh, my first priority, if he's not going to be back, my i my ideal guy would be sort of a wing scorer, somebody who can who can get points driving and shooting off the wing. Uh, if he is going to be there, I'd like to get a pure shooter, whether that's a point guard or or a combo guard or something, somebody who can step out and knock down shots consistently. I think that's the biggest thing that's missing. Now, I think that Armand Franklin, I think Armand Franklin is going to be a good shooter once he knuckles down and, and uh, works on his shot. I think that Rob Finnessy is going to be a good shooter once he starts to work on his shot more. And I think there are going to be some guys on this team who can get better and more consistent shooting the ball from deep. But they need to go get another guy who can shoot. And uh, I think that uh, as far as the front court right now, I think Deron Davis, pretty solid if he can get in shape after the offseason and remain healthy. That's a big thing for him. I think Trace Jackson. Yeah, it is a big if. But Trace Jackson Davis is a a four. I've compared him to DJ White before um, as a kind of guy who he reminds me of in high school. Obviously, he's a – not exactly like DJ, but a little bit like that, where he's coming in and he's a guy who I think has a good shooting touch, but hasn't developed it all the way out past the free throw line yet. So he's going to be a post guy. Uh, so if Deron Davis can't go full time, you got Tracy Jackson Davis there. You've got, you know, some other guys on the team, Race Thompson. How do they develop all that stuff? So um, look, if a guy like Trendon Wofford wants to come to IU, I'm all for it. Uh, I would love to have another wing scorer, another shooter, something like that. I don't think we need back to the basket post guys, though. I think that 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 situation is is pretty well sorted on this roster. Hmm, interesting. Okay, a couple of interesting things to talk about there. But Andy, wh- where does your wish list begin? Uh, I think it begins with shooting, and then it has a little bit more shooting on it, and then if you go down another notch, it has shooting on it. Uh, Someone who I, I can think, shoot like Ryan Klein, apparently, because everybody in the chat mob is going crazy about some uh, shot that he just made. Uh, uh, yes. Um, anyway, uh, so I just, you know, going back to what I said before, you, you just can't continue to sustain yourself and and get improvement on the offensive side of the floor if you don't have that. And there's not really, Armand Franklin has shot the ball, uh, you know, well as a senior. So, you know, how does that translate in his first year as a college player is hard to do. You've seen Al make improvements. I think Rob... Uh, will make improvements, and Devontae has been been streaky. But you don't have like a knockdown guy, particularly at a you know kind of wing size. Like I was, you know, it, it, find me another like Cam Johnson that uh, that UNC has, which is not going to be easy to do because I think he's even taller than that. He's six nine or uh, whatever whatever he is. So I think somebody like that that gives you some lineup flexibility on the wing would be you know, maybe priorities one and two for me, I, I think depending, I think the the post player, you know, piece, you know, the, the Joey Brunk thing came out when he announced he was transferring from Butler, depending upon if we do see some of those transfers and maybe my opinion is different, but if it's, if you have Duran with a full off season, again, his health is always going to be a question mark until he, you know, proves that it's not quite honestly. Uh, but, I, I just don't know. I think you've got some guys. Jake Forster has always been kind of viewed as a not, not a project necessarily, but a guy who will be able to come along and give you some minutes. And I think between he and Race and, and Trace, I think you've probably got enough you could cobble together there where you're really thin is that, you know, kind of wing, true small forward type player and somebody who can knock down threes. And I think if you can find that in the same guy, uh, that becomes a really valuable player. And maybe that guy is Jerome Hunter. We just don't know. I think his health situation, at least based on what we know, is more up in the air than what we would say Duran's health situation would be heading into that. So that, to me, is where you need the most insurance. 
we're all pretty much on the same page here because, you know, what I wrote down is outside shooting, obviously, you know, preferably someone 6'5 or 6'6 who might even be able to play four in smaller lineups because that's the thing. You know, none of the big guys on Indiana can shoot. You know, Justin, who plays a lot of four, can't shoot. Trace Jackson Davis, not a shooter. Deron Davis, not a shooter. Justin you know, needs to learn how to shoot this offseason if he's going to be at Indiana. He needs he does, but I'm not going to bank on it. I, I'm not going to project he forward. Needs, he needs to be able, even if it's not from three, he needs to be able to hit a 15-foot jumper. Like, I mean, he does. And and, and it's, I mean. You know, some of this improvement is going to have to come internally. Like, some guys are just going to have to get better. There's absolutely no question about it. I, I think, like the development curve of Armar Franklin and Rob Finnessy, though people talk about shooters not on the roster. I like the development curve there. Rob Finnessy could not shoot threes as a junior in high school. Got better as a, uh, as a senior, was shooting really well uh, before his concussion, started shooting better at the end of the season, too. And, and I think that, you know, we like those progression curves for guys. I like the progression curve for Al. Um, yeah. But it's got to get there. You know, yeah. that now it's 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 the, the a matter of taking that next step. And just remember with Rob, you know, Rob basically shot the same percentage from three this year on a similar number of attempts that Yogi did his freshman season. And Yogi then the next three years was 40% or better. No, I don't think Rob is as good of a shooter as Yogi. Definitely not as good of a shooter off the dribble. But that just shows you sometimes it can take shooters a little while to adjust. And I would expect Rob to be a 35-36% guy next year. And if you've got him at 35-36%, Devontae around 39-40%, and Al 37-39, you can live with that from your guards. Now, it'd be nice to have a knockdown guy like I saw Michael in here. His wish list is Max Bielfeld and Nick Zeisloft. Yeah, <laughs> that would pretty much, be, pretty much be the perfect additions to, uh, to this roster. But, you know, so I think we all agree we've got to get shooting and preferably some kind of wing that is insurance for, Ju for Jerome Hunter's health and insurance for Justin Smith's development and consistency of mindset. I think that would be really helpful. Now, we'll have to see if that's available. What I think is an interesting debate is a guy like Joey Brunk. Because initially, you know, when I saw that he was transferring, kind of looked at his stats, you know, he's obviously a guy who can score pretty efficiently in the post, but there's not a lot of other stuff statistically that jumps out. Now, I didn't watch a ton of Butler this year, so I may not be the per person to give you a scouting report on him, but I will say this, I was initially a little hesitant about that idea, but as you start thinking about the, you know, Deron Davis's health, which we've talked about, and his inability to consistently play 20 to 25 minutes, and then some of the inexperience that you have with the other depth there, having a postman that can come in that is experienced, that can go get you buckets, that is going to be, you know, I know, you know, he's a high IQ player, good team guy. I can see that being really helpful, especially when you get into the dog days of the Big Ten. You may need that depth down low, and especially another guy to bang against Trace and make him better and take a little pressure off of him. So I'm not saying he's a perfect addition, but I like it. I like that potential addition much more than I did initially, Andy. Yeah, I think I, I just struggle with that, and maybe I'm too hung up in the stats with, with him. I don't know if he's that guy. Um, when you look at Joey Brunk, but I, I get the, the thought of, do you need some insurance? And that's kind of how I, if you, if it's a post player, you're doing it because you need insurance, not necessarily because you feel like there's a definitive void, um, uh, on the, on the team of something. I think the void is really where you have from a shooting perspective. Um, and, and, you know, to me, insurance wise, you need more, if Justin Smith doesn't develop a jump shot like we talked about, if Jerome Hunter's not healthy, to me, that's a far more there, there's you can't tell yourself a story very easily of of a way to fill that hole. You you can tell yourself a story, whether it's, you know, ultimately believable or not, who, who's to say, but you can at least tell yourself a story. Um about the front court that that helps and i i think you also need yeah, and, and to be clear the front court guy would come second like that would be the second priority yeah. for me yeah i also think you just need i mean somebody who can who can just go get you a bucket when you need one i think that's the one thing that i you relied on romeo a number of times and you know everybody can you know have their own debate about whether you know he came through in those situations or not there certainly were times that he did and really a guy who can drive and be a, a a dynamic person that the other team has to take away. But I think the other thing we're talking a lot about skill and size and things like that. I think the attitude of whoever you bring in is pretty important. Like there's not really a, I've been catching up on some of the Hoosier hysterics podcast and they had Coverdale, uh, they had Coverdale on and, and a couple of the other guys have had, you know, they needed to, you know, the kind of FU guy that was out there and it's like, 
that's definitely something that IU needs with that kind of attitude, a little bit more demonstrative than than some of the guys they have. So I think if you're looking for, you know, intangibles and stuff like that, I think that's a, I don't know, maybe that is a skill in and of itself. But I think you also need somebody like that that's really going to bring some attitude to the equation as well, because that's something that was really lacking with this team a lot, that edge and, and whatever that is. So maybe you're willing to give up a little bit of one of the other things we talked about to be able to get somebody who's really going to going to be able to come in and provide that right away which Agreed. I think is difficult for somebody to come into a brand new situation and, and kind of be that guy. I think it takes a, a fairly special person to be able to step in and do that. So I don't know that that's something that's out there or not at this point. No. You know, in terms of names, some of the names that you're going to hear, because it doesn't have to be a grad transfer. There could be guys in the class of 2019. You know, Trendon Watford, Harlan Beverly, Lester Quinones, all kind of fill what we were talking about, which is a wing guy who can score. Now, I would not get that interested in any of these guys from a fan perspective until they visit, you know, until Trendon visits again or Archie meets with them, until Quinones or Harlan Beverly take an official visit. Those are just names that you're going to hear. And I think it's pretty much the same thing with the grad transfers. I mean, there are so many guys transferring now, you know, and you've probably read Joey Brunk and Derek Smits and Kira Lewis, who Indiana, you know, was recruiting before he went to Alabama. There's a guy from Charleston Southern that actually kind of fits the description. He's a wing guy that can shoot threes pretty well. But you can drive yourself crazy trying to project all this stuff. Let's wait and see who Indiana targets, where we get a visit from to kind of see. But, you know, Ryan, a guy like Kira Lewis is interesting, you know, where he may not necessarily fit what we were talking about right now. He's not necessarily a knockdown shooter. He's not necessarily a wing guy. But he's such a talented playmaker and guard that if you could get a guy like that, you would obviously do it in a second because that's an NBA player. Now, he might have to sit out a year, although he could probably get a waiver because they lost their coach and they give out waivers all the time now. But if you get a guy like that, even though maybe that changes the role for Rob Finnessy, something like that, when you can get that kind of injection of talent, that's also something that you would want to look at and you kind of figure out the roles and the lineups later. Yeah, I think that that's, you know, a guy like Kyra Lewis is, you know, that, uh, you, that's a no-brainer because he's the best player in the transfer protocol. He's a guy who can score. He's a combo guard. He doesn't he doesn't take minutes away from Rob Finnessy. He can play off the ball. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think that uh, any of those guys uh, either at least worth consideration. Get them on campus. You see what they've got. Uh, it, but Indiana has to be, you know, has to be. I, I think that you have to be choosy in who you take because it's if there's just one scholarship if there's two maybe you do take a brunk if there's two uh maybe you do oh, only if there's two i don't think you could yeah, take yeah, yeah. If there's only yeah one. that's what i'm saying if there's two maybe yeah. you take a guy like that but you don't take a guy like that if there's one because you need shooting and i think we all know that you need shooting you need scoring and needed the offense to take a step forward next year so i think that's that's just where we're at right now with this team yeah absolutely um is there anything, Andy, that if you saw would kind of concern you this offseason in terms of like guys that they're targeting or, you know, because it, you know, like, like the Fitzner edition, we all thought that was a pretty smart edition when it happened. In hindsight, it didn't turn out as well as maybe we all hoped. Like, is there, is there anything that you're hoping that they avoid doing? Uh, maybe it's hard to project. I guess forward. the. Yeah, it's a little bit hard. I mean, I guess if you look back at the at the Fitzner thing, you could look back and say it was a guy whose minutes were declining um, as he got you know further into his his career, and I think that was partly personnel and things like that. I, I mean, I think ideally, if you're going to take a grad fr- transfer, you'd really want to get a guy who played a major role already. Uh, I think at that point, you're getting somebody that you expect to be able to step in. And and with Fitzner, I don't know that they ever really expected him to be able to step in right away and uh, and play, you know, 25 minutes a game at all. But I do think if you're going to go after somebody at this point, as you're really trying to build up your culture and all those kinds of things, it does feel like you got to get a guy who's definitely been there. Um, if, if you want to do that, that you're going to be able to get in. I think to bring somebody else in in a complimentary role becomes a little bit weird. So like the Joey Brunk thing to me. And you hear people talk about in the in the NFL, like this guy's a progress stopper because he's preventing some of the younger guys from playing. Do you bring him in and does that take minutes away from a Jake Forster or a Ray Thompson that you're really expecting to be there? Brunk's a little bit different because he'd have two years to play. Um, but if you bring in somebody that's a one-year guy, does it does it prohibit you from playing other people that you'd like to be able to get minutes and really try to build as four-year guys that they're ready to take the next step in their development? So if it's somebody who it seems like they stand in the way of doing that, which is more positional and less skill-based because you're taking a guy who really hasn't played a major role 
um, on another team, even at a what you would deem to be a lower level, I think that would be a little bit concerning. But uh, you know what is a big swing skill for this program for next year is Race Thompson's three-point shooting, which may sound kind of crazy if you didn't kind of watch him play in high school, Ryan, but he's a guy who can hit threes. And if he can, if, if he now maybe he's not ready to do that next year, but if he can step out, you know, to me, he becomes your, your starter at the four because now he allows you to space the floor a little bit as one of your only big guys who can actually step out and shoot. Again, I don't know if he'll be ready to do that next year, but it's something he has shown in the past. So keep that in mind because that could really, that would be a, that would be huge for this, for this team because he fits at the four defensively, but it's tough to play him with Duran if he can't step out and make shots. Yeah, it's impossible to know what the lineup's going to be. Where's Trace Jackson Davis? How are they going to deploy him? How healthy is Durant? Yeah. Is Durant going to be able to play 30 minutes a game or 25 minutes a game? Uh, where is the, you know, where do these guys fit? And and so it's just going to be interesting. It's impossible to project. But yeah, let's say this. I mean, Race Thompson is going to see a lot of time on this team, and, and he should because he's very good, and he can be very good, and he can step out. I'm not saying that Race Thompson needs to be a guy who's shooting threes on a regular basis for IU, but he needs just to the be, threat, <laughs> just the threat. And he needs to be able to step out and knock a few down. Yep. Okay. Coming up in our third and final segment, we will answer your questions, which include several about Archie. What did we learn about our coach this season? And could Archie's job really be in jeopardy as soon as next season without a trip to the NCAA tournament? We have some thoughts. Stick with us on the assembly call. Welcome back to the Assembly Call. I am Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Brian Phillips. Remember that you need to be subscribed to our email newsletter. We send out a weekly IU News Roundup, even during the offseason. And after every game, we send out a detailed postgame analysis email. There's a high-level operation going on out there. Just text IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. That's IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. Make no excuses. All right, well, it is time now for our mailbag. All of these questions were submitted via our private IU basketball discussion community, which you can learn more about at assemblycall.com slash community. Uh, so Jeff asks, we always talk about players having to learn, but what about coaches? I think Archie is a really good coach. He proved it at Dayton, but he's just finished his sophomore year in the Big Ten. What do you think he learned last year that helped him this year, and what lessons should we take from this season as a coach? You know, Ryan, you and I addressed this um, you know, earlier this week on Banner Monday, you know, some of the things about you know, his first experience getting to coach a five-star up. Uh, you know, one and done player like Romeo Langford, you know, the ability to really go through some serious turmoil and, and kind of see it through on the other end and, and kind of what you'll learn from that. Uh, Andy, you know, as you look at this past season for Archie, you know, what do you think are some of the things that he did learn or that you maybe hope that he learned as, as he continues to grow as a young coach? I, I think the big thing from, from my perspective is looking back at, you know, that stretch of, of all the, all the losses and all those things. And, you know, getting that Minnesota, game and, and he said after that 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 was a deal breaker and I think he just gave this team way too much rope uh at that point and I hope that he whatever he was able to do to pull them out of that and the changes that he made whether that was in in practices or in uh responsibilities from a player standpoint or or how he held people accountable whatever wh whatever you want to you know whatever you want to call those things that it, it just went too long to be able to do that so I think being able to you know, kind of squash some of these kind of situations before things really snowball uh, becomes important. The the coaching one and done thing, I, I think, is a good one. That, but you guys touched on that before. I, I do think that's a a unique situation, uh, and 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 one that he really hadn't been in that in a position to have to do. Um, and it was one of those you'd never say, "I don't want to go get a guy like Romeo Langford. I don't want to go get a five star that's uh, you know that's an Indiana kid." you're going to do that. You're going to be in other positions where, where the nature of the job is you better go and, and do your best to land that kid. And if you do, how do you handle him? How do you integrate him into other, uh, you know, into whatever else you have going on? I, I just think, uh, I think that definitely be a learning experience. Those are the two things from my perspective. Ryan, anything else for you that, that for me, I would say the other thing is just how important shooting is and that come hell or high water, you got to feel the team that can shoot better than these last two have. Yeah, I think that's a big one. I think shooting's a big one. I think also just how to manage injuries and, and where you need to have depth on the roster. You can't rely so heavily on certain guys at certain positions. You have to have depth. And, you know, that's why you recruit. You recruit to have depth. So, um, you know, 
I think that that's that's a big one for me is is just to know that look guys are going to get injured guys are going to get banged up guys are not going to be able to give you 100% all the time so you've got to figure out how to uh, you know manage your roster that way. So Ryan, Kathy's question is do you really think that Archie would be fired next year if we miss the tournament again? Obviously it's a I mean it's a big year. He's missed it his first two years. It's three straight years for the program. How how hot will the seat get if Indiana misses the tournament next year? Oh, extremely. I, I would not. Uh, if, if Indiana misses the tournament next year, there's there's a good chance Archie, Archie won't be back. I'm not saying it's a great chance, but I think there's a pretty solid chance he won't be back. It depends on how the season goes, of course. But if you miss the tournament your first three years, yeah, I, I would say, you know, especially when you had two McDonald's All-Americans in that time because Trace will be on the team and, and you've got, you know, certain players that you went after certain players that you got and, you know, you got your roster together, all that. Uh, yeah, I think that there's there's a, there's a pretty good chance he's not back if they don't make the tournament again. Interesting. I, I mean, certainly I think the the seat would be red hot. I tend to think that he would get the fourth year, but you're right. It, it kind of depends on how the season goes, you know, the, the context of it and what it looks like. But I think, yeah, you miss it again. I mean, if 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 he doesn't lose it, he may want to, he may want to lose it at that point because I can't imagine, uh, you know, this this fan base dealing with that. Well, nor should they. I mean, frankly, that I mean that should be just completely unacceptable to miss it four years in a row, and it will be a challenge. Like, yeah, I don't think this team will be picked to make the tournament in the preseason. The expectations are going to be low. But Andy, Andy, what do you think? What do you think the outcome would be if that's what comes to pass? I, it's one of those where I think you you went after him. He was a guy that was really targeted by the by Fred Glass from the get go. It and so I just feel like would there be pressure building to be able to do something? Yes, but I I struggle to believe that as a guy that that he really targeted and went after that hard that you would turn away from that in three seasons. Um, but again, if things really go off the rails i i suppose i could see it but i do think that's a little bit difficult to uh a little bit difficult when you kind of put the the higher into context and you think back to some of the things that were said at that point and the way that the search really went i, I think that's a little bit of a stretch but uh yeah i think red hot would be the uh definitely be the the temperature of the seat at that point if they wouldn't make it I, even though i think as you look you know there are reasons to believe and not to believe that that you know they actually you know could make it but um yeah, I think mean, it's a it's a p- pretty pivotal year, as I said at the beginning. That's for sure. Yeah, like if you made me place a bet on it right now, would he get year four if they miss the tournament year three? I would say yes, but I think you're right, Ryan. Like there there's a chance depending on how it goes, and if the program doesn't show any progress, and if you know the offense struggles as much as it did this year, I uh, you know it's I suppose it would be within the realm of possibility. Whereas it really wasn't this year. Uh, it only being his second year. Uh, question from Bill. What does it say about Archie's reluctance to give his freshmen and other bench players more playing time? Do you feel he was worried about having their confidence broken before they were ready, or was that he just didn't have confidence in them to give meaningful minutes? And this was a, this was a subject that came up a ton in January and February. We didn't hear about it as much later in the season when guys were healthier. But, Ryan, what do you, what do you make of that? To me, it's just that those guys weren't ready for the minutes. Yeah, I mean, you look at how they played. I don't think they were. Um, you know, even Ray Thompson, who we all really liked, got lost on defense some. Uh, I, I think it was pretty clear to me Anderson wasn't ready for college basketball. I think that uh, some of the other guys, they just need to develop. And that's sometimes they just, kids just need to develop. I mean, there's a lot of teams now that are playing redshirting instead of having a guy spend his freshman year and not play a whole, a whole lot. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think that um, it's... I think it's just maybe also a philosophy thing. He had older guys he could tr- he trusted more, uh, and I think also yeah he wants those guys to develop, but he also you know didn't think they were ready for the big time yet. Yeah, Andy, what do you think? I, I would agree, and I would add that in most cases, it felt like when they actually did get on the floor that you saw why, or you could you could see what they were doing and and really tell yourself a story that. Yeah, I can. I get it. Um, the things that he was concerned about, you see. I mean, even Race, who had some good minutes. I mean, when, when he came in against Wichita State, though, he really struggled in those couple minutes that he was in there defensively. And it, it's a little bit of a, a chicken and egg thing where, well, are they going to get better if you don't give them the minutes or, you know, they don't, they're, they're not earning the playing time in the first place? That's a, you know, that's a hard line to walk, I, I think. But to me, it, it seemed like more often than not, the play on the floor, 
you know, kind of showed that there were reasons that, that they weren't, uh, that they weren't getting in. And, um, those seemed warranted at that point, but, uh, on a young roster at some point, you have no choice but to turn around and play somebody who doesn't have um, doesn't have the experience and, and may not be quite ready because you just don't have a choice. I think the injuries forced them into a lot of that over the course of the year. Um, but I also, you know, get from their perspective of why that wasn't there. So I think some of that's roster construction just in terms of the makeup of, of these guys from a what, what class they're in standpoint. Reflecting back to Kathy's question, Coach had a good comment in the chat. He said, I would have to be okay with not making the tournament for five or six years with another change in coaching, which which is true, which is why I don't think it will happen. Because, you know, again, barring some kind of disaster, like the foundation is set for things to be pretty good in years four and five if you kind of project forward and if recruiting stays on the track that it's on. Of course. But that's why well, this look, year three, that's why, that's why year, but, that's, but th- what I'm saying is that's why next year is so important, though. You know, I mean, you do, you've got to show progress. I don't, I really have a hard time believing Archie wouldn't be able to see this through for years four and five, but I get why the question comes up after you miss the NCAA tournament your first two years. That's why year three is really, really important because I, you know, again, I I think years four and five have a chance to be really good, but let's get there and and, and let's show growth next year, obviously. And hopefully, I mean, growth is making the tournament because Indiana made the NIT this year. So the next step would be making the, the NCAA tournament. Uh, Ryan, Jane asks, what's the offseason going to look like? What will the team be focusing on despite no organized practices? Uh, and are there any staff changes in the mix? Uh, we certainly we know one thing that uh, that coach definitely does not want to see this offseason. And I don't want to see about vertical leaps anymore. I don't want to see workout tapes. I want to see heart and competitive tapes all summer from the Indiana basketball Twitter account. Right. No, no more vertical leap tapes. Those look a lot better the offseason when there's high hopes and the offseason after a, uh, a deflating season. So I don't think any of us want to see those now. But Ryan, what what will this offseason look like? Players will obviously get a chance to go home at some point. Some guys may stay over for the summer. And then at a certain point, individual workouts with coaches obviously begin. Uh, but what, what, what will it look like overall? Yeah, they're going to spend a lot of time with Cliff Marshall. They're going to be in Cook Hall. They're going to live in Cook Hall. Um, I think that there's going to be a lot of focus on shooting, a lot of focus on getting stronger, a lot of focus on getting quicker, things like that. You know, work on your lateral quickness, things like that. A guy like Demizi really has to hit the gym because his body is not at the level of a college basketball player right now. He's a little slow. He's flat-footed. Uh, he needs to develop some lift on his jumper. He needs to develop a lot. And that goes for all those guys. They, they just all need to continue to develop and, and morph their bodies into uh, the level of a college basketball player, those young guys. They're the most, uh, it, it, you know, they're the most important guys uh, to get better, and, and all of them need to, need to work on that. What about the staff changes question? Because we've talked about, you know, how Archie maybe could... I have could, no idea. I, I have no idea either. I haven't heard anything about it. Um, in fact, it, it, the only things that I've heard are that it's not likely. Yeah, so, I, and, I, and, I, I wouldn't be shocked. Um, if, if there are no changes, um, I would, I think like to, uh, probably have a, a, you know, maybe somebody come in and look at the offense, but it doesn't have to be a full-time staff member. Just bring somebody in as a, as a, you know, an analyst or whatever to, to sort of check out what they're doing and and maybe offer some critiques. Andy, what, because again, we've talked on the show about, you know, the possibility of bringing in kind of an offensive guy. I mean, what do you think about that possibility? I mean, I think it's, I don't think anyone would argue it's not needed at this point, but I do think it's a little bit hard to figure out where that would be because um, given the roles the guys are playing on the staff, you know, Ostrom has been with Archie for a long time. You know, Schilling is the, you know, kind of player development with some local ties. And then Bruiser Flynn, I think, might eventually leave if he gets a chance at another head coaching job. I just don't know that that's in the cards. And so that becomes a little bit harder to figure out where that actually comes from. But I do think anybody who watches this team, uh, at times over the course of the season and watch them consistently knows that there's a, a need to to try to change some things up offensively. So I think there'd be value in doing that. But again, you're trying to you know, put the picture together of, of how that actually comes into play. Uh, that's where it gets a little bit harder. With our final 30 seconds here, Andy, as you're watching the NCAA tournament, do you root for other Big Ten teams to win or do you root for Big Ten teams to lose? Uh, it was funny. My neighbor walked by. I was out shooting baskets in the driveway with my younger daughter and he goes, oh, you guys are, are you guys who are you rooting for Purdue in this game? And I go, absolutely not. So, so that's where I go. Some of the other Big Ten teams, maybe, but uh, they're they're a tough one to uh, convince yourself to root for. Ryan, how do you approach it? 
when you're um yeah i don't really root for anybody who's not indiana <laughs> um i yeah no i don't want other big 10 teams to win why would i do that why, just, why would to, I... just to make the conference look better i guess no absolutely not i don't want another fan base that we have to deal with raising a banner or or going far in the tournament also produce about the win and they yeah. don't deserve that's it. it we're done no more questions <laughs> it's a perfect place to stop all right uh that's going to do it for us on this week's edition of the assembly call if you want to see us do the show live join us in the chat mob at assemblycall.com on thursday nights for the live broadcast of our assembly call radio recording and you can always subscribe to our podcast by searching for assembly call wherever you listen to podcasts also don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text iu to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Thank you, as always, for listening. We will talk to you again on Monday for the last edition of Banner Monday. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim, and go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Thank you for being here and for listening to this episode of The Assembly Call. We appreciate it. And we really do rely on the support of audience members like you to keep our show going and to keep growing and so we have set up a page on our website at assemblycall.com slash support that lists five ways that you can support the assembly call. And we encourage you to choose whichever method is the easiest and most convenient for you. One of the methods is donating. And so many of you have donated and we appreciate it so much. On that page, you can choose a monthly recurring donation or an annual recurring donation or just a one-time donation, whatever works for you. And if you don't want to donate, Another way to support the show is you can use our affiliate URLs, iutickets.shop or iustore.shop when you're going to shop for tickets or gear, and we will get paid a small commission when you use those links. But however you support the show, we appreciate it. Thank you. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Let me be straight with you. This is a radio commercial for three small business insurance. With three, your entire business is covered. So while you can't see the following scene, just know that this contractor's business is protected by three. Hey, toss me that drill. Yeah, man. Heads up. Oh, that looks expensive. Now this is an insurance moment, but Three's got it covered. Three is a product of Berkshire Hathaway Direct Insurance Company. Three, no nonsense, just common sense. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.